And welcome back to Livingston Parish News Weekly Show, a podcast brought to you by the Livingston Parish News. My name is McHugh David, publisher and editor of the news. We're joined by this gentleman who has not been in the booth uh, for a while. Uh, <laughs> it's good to have him back. And uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself real quick. Thank you, McHugh. I'm Gerard Landry, the mayor of Paradise, sometimes known as Denham Spring. There you go. <laughs> Seven and a half square miles of, of paradise on earth. That's right. Uh, so for those of you who want to check in, there's also going to be another podcast after this one where he and I are going to be talking about infrastructure in the Denver Springs area, as well as some changes coming to Spring Park. Uh, so that should be interesting. But today we're talking about uh, the subject that's kind of interesting, I guess. Uh, you know, there's a book that a lot of people have to read to their kids called Everybody Poops. Uh, but, you know, in your case, as a city administrator or any kind of utility administrator, sewer is something you have to deal with. Uh, in this particular circumstance, you and I are here to talk about uh, some of the capacity that you have at the uh, uh, sewer treatment plant. Uh, and, of course, as it relates to Deer Run, and I'm, I, I know I've given a long intro, going to give a little bit of background. Uh, Y'all tabled the initial application for permits, that will be coming up this uh, Monday. This Monday evening, correct. So, uh, so that would be the 25th, mm -hmm. I believe. And uh, the initial application is for 400 permits. They're expecting 173 total lots in the first year, and that it will also take roughly two years to get to that point. That's correct. So uh, a bit of contention between uh, some council members, uh, specifically one of the new guys, Mr. Jim Gilbert, uh, who felt like he did not know enough about sewer, had heard all sorts of things about sky falling, that kind of thing and was worried about the fact that it looked like this was about to march through the parish council. Is there capacity? Is there not? That kind of thing. So that gives a lot of the background. I've talked a lot. First and foremost, let's talk about uh, some of the, the, the history of the sewer treatment plant um, and the fact that it's actually, in a lot of cases, kind of allowed developers to come to the area. Uh, and for anybody asking, uh, there is capacity, and we're going to get to the math in a little bit, but yes. kind of want to cover some of this backstory here. Uh, kind of starting, uh, I believe the sewer newest sewer treatment plan came online in 2008. That sounds right. So let, let's talk about the treatment plants. All right. Well, thanks, uh, thanks for having me here again and some more information that we could share with everybody. Uh, and you're right, the, the Denver Springs Wastewater Treatment Facility, if <laughs> that's what you want to call it, uh, was uh, put together in 08 or so with uh, Mayor Jimmy Durbin, uh, who was mayor at the time. <clears throat> and he was forced into doing something because EPA would not allow the rock reef filter system that we had in place to go on any longer. So we had to get up to the 20th century and build a sewer plant. Millions of dollars later, we have a treatment plant, and we also have an uh, infrastructure built into the district. So how, what, what is the connection between those two? What is the connection between the sewer plant and the district? The district is the natural progression of population from the city south of here. And that's wide open territory. And as part of the funding mechanism, where we had to go to New York and get bonds to build uh, the plant, we also have to build infrastructure so that we could bring on new customers. That way, the current citizens of Dinner Springs weren't shouldering the cost of the entire project. The only way to share it out, to, to, to spread it out. So uh, there may have been one or two rate increases for the, for the uh, uh, citizens of the city, but, but most of that cost has been borne by new customers that are coming in. So they created the, uh, uh, the plant. They, they built it. It was uh, an astronomical amount of money. 
uh, and you just don't go walk down to Walmart or Home Depot and get you a sewer plant. It's got to be custom made based on your water and access to the river and population and topography and all that sort of thing. So it was built, designed, and it's been operating now, like I say, since 2008. Um, sewer is just one of the necessary things that we have to manage. You know, in order for to order in order to ensure the health and safety and welfare of our citizens, they have to have sanitary sewer. They have to have clean drinking water. Uh, you know, they have to have uh, natural gas in some cases to heat their homes or cook or run gas generators, and and then that's an important function as well. As long as just the normal services that you may or may not think of as a municipality that we have to provide, but as fire protection, police protection, uh, streets maintenance, potholes, whether we do a good job or not, garbage removal. There's so many functions that we have to provide. But and I realize this is all about, about sewer. So the plant was built. Uh, at the time, they had to lay this infrastructure out into the sewer district, which is pretty much 4-H Club Road, and all, pretty much down to, was it, uh, 7th Ward Elementary, and back up uh, Pete's Highway. So, uh, or back up... Uh, Whatever, pizza. Yeah, it's a pizza. Mm-hmm. So, infrastructure's in the ground. You start to get people to join. And uh, lo and behold, Jimmy Durbin is approached by the owners of um, Greystone, the subdivision. And they don't have any sewer. Well, they do have sewer on the first hole of the golf course. They had a MODAD unit that was stinky, <laughs> to say the least. And they wanted to upgrade their system. So, they asked if they could join the Denner Springs Sewer District, and Jimmy said, sure, there's a lift station close by, you can tie into it, and we'll start treating your, your sewer for, for a fee. At the same time, or just right before then, Mike Grimmer was the parish president and did not have a discharge permit so that he could build a sewer plant to take care of Jubin Crossing. So Mr. Grimmer reached out to uh, Mayor Durbin, and consequently a deal was worked out where they bored a hole or uh, pipes under the interstate and were able to tie into the sewer district and guess what? Now we have Juban Crossing. And if it wasn't for the Denver Springs Sewer District, we wouldn't have Juban Crossing. You wouldn't have Greystone and Serene Acres, which is another another uh, uh, subdivision next to Greystone. They had some issues as well, as well, and they were able to tie in. It's a lot of stuff to talk about. Sure. And don't forget the, uh, did you mention Juban Crossing? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, Juban Crossing right. w- wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. Because uh, like I said, my grandma could not get a discharge permit. Right. I, I, for whatever reason, I got that crossed up with, uh, with Greystone. So a lot of, a lot of major developments that you hear right now, um, that you hear about right now that would not be here. Multiple uses of here. I'm sorry for those of you who aren't fans of the English language, (laughs) but who, you know, uh, these developments would not be here, uh, or might be here under a different level of capacity, if not, but for the Denham Springs sewer district and the treatment plant. Now, uh, as we get into uh, some of the deals with Deer Run, we, of course, cannot and will not move forward without talking about the flood. Uh, the flood was a big deal, caused damage, or not necessarily, I, I don't I, what would you call it? Would it be damage to the treatment plant, or more so it was heavy water intrusion that brought things that weren't supposed to be there? I think that's a great way to put it. Uh, so one of the things that is you have to deal with, when you have a sewer district uh, and sewer lines is water intrusion. Sure. During the flood, the the flood brought a lot of things in the sewer plant that aren't supposed to be here, but y'all are working on that. Tell us about that. Sure. So that's the latest and greatest uh, 
repair from the flood, if you will. And it's uh, it was twofold. One, there's a, a mechanical device on the sewer plant. It's called a belt press, which takes some of the solids that are left in the water, runs it through a belt press, and takes the solids, separates it from the, the water that is treated again, and eventually discharged. And those solids have to go to a, uh, a landfill, the proper landfill to handle that. And, uh, and then there's the sand and uh, grit that's in the bottom of the plant. Since we weren't able to run the belt press, that's where all the sand and gravel ended up, is in the bottom of the plant. Also, because of the intrusion, a lot of sand entered into the plant that should not have been there. So now we've had, I think there's eight or nine feet of uh, sand and gravel in the very bottom of the thing. If you haven't seen the plant, it's quite, it's quite the trip to go out there and take a look at it. It is, and it doesn't smell as bad as you think. No, it, it really doesn't. You, there might be a whiff or two. You say, oh, I, I know what that is, but it's not, it's not disgusting because, you know, there's subdivisions all around this thing. Uh, Maverick Greystone backs up to the back wall of it, and, and there's no complaints from them uh, because that's where the sewer comes from as well. But uh, So we have a plan in place, and we're about halfway through with the, uh, uh, the intrusion from, uh, from the groundwater and uh, everything from the flood. And uh, so that's about halfway through. We figured on a thousand tons of sand that was in there. We're halfway through, and we've already disposed of not quite 500 tons. So I think we're right on target. I think our engineers did a pretty good job of estimating uh, what was going to happen there. And then the second piece of that is the sand filters that are in the bottom uh, have been there for 15 years. And there's a couple of them that are damaged uh, after all these years. But you know what? We get through, we'll replace all them, and our plant should be back to the opening day capacity and efficiency that we had back in 2008. And before we get into the capacity question, which was the big question when you're talking about Deer Run, which sure. is proposed 2,000 homes, going to take a while to get there. We'll talk about that as well. But there are a couple of, uh, you know, y'all are already thinking about expansion. Let's put it that way. And there are a couple of ideas about that uh, expansion. It could be a new plant. It could be expansion on the current footprint. could be updates. Tell us a little bit about it, some of the options. So there's always more than one way to, to fix the problem, right? <clears throat> well, we currently have 100 acres of property out there, which uh, probably a third of it is the old rock reed filter system. And, uh, and it was just, it will, over time, it'll slowly just uh, dissipate, if you will. Uh, so the rest of the property is the plant itself and two five-acre uh, overflow ponds. They're rubber-lined. They're all DEA, DEQ uh, compliant. Uh, after the flood, we're able to put brand new liners in the bottom of them, and that's that's to help uh, the overflow of the plant during rainy day events. Um, all these things um, are are pieces of the puzzle. If and if we find out we need to do something different with the plant, uh, back in 2015 is how long we've been talking about this when I first took office, and and I had a blueprint. Of course, it's been lost since the flood, but it was strictly a mirror image, just flipped it over on the current site. And we, we had room to, to double the capacity of the plant. Now, we didn't necessarily have to double all the equipment because some of it could be shared between the two plants. And so the cost at that time was going to be significantly less. And let's hope that that's the case if that's the route that we decide to take in the future. All of this to say that water is discharged into Grays Creek. Because it's been discharged into Grays Creek, it is no longer an impaired waterway because it's really been rinsed out, if you will, right? And about up to 250,000 gallons a day can be deferred, diverted to Greystone and the golf course, and they use it to water their golf course. So it's a win-win for everybody. It's a testament to how clean the water is when it comes out. Whenever we take people on our tour, we at the very end, we, we pour two glasses, we, one, one glass of water out the treatment plant, one glass of water out of the 
uh, like a, a spigot in the office, and you really can't tell the difference. Now, I've never tasted it. Uh, I, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure you could probably do it if you want to. Uh, I have done it, and it's not on my bucket list of things to do. But how was it? What, I, it, it? It tastes about the same. Okay, it, it really does. I was, uh, you know, I was even younger than I am now. I was going through the uh, leadership leader uh, Livingston oh, yeah. program. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, through the Chamber of Commerce. April runs that, and or April Weirs for those of you who don't know. And um, they they did that. You know, you came up to the end, and there was a few brave souls uh, <laughs> out of one. our little group, and I was one. You know, I was I was uh, young and dumb. And uh, but be quite frank with you, when they were talking about, you know, it has to be tested, I believe, monthly and sent off, or maybe it's uh, no, the, the, no, the water is two or three times a week, right? It is, okay. but, but the sewer plant is tested once, I yeah. think once a month, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and the water is tested quite often. So, mm-hmm. I was like, well, I mean, if, if they test it, and it's because I, I just remember from a newspaper background how often EPA and DEQ get involved. Right. So I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. And it, it really didn't. It didn't taste all that different. So, right. And I'll still remember that. You yeah, know, I, I mean, you I, Hey, I drink water at a sewer treatment plant. And look, and look at you now. Right. <laughs> so then the last option would be to discharge or get a discharge permit into the Amy River. And it's a whole different level. It's a lot less restrictive than Grace Creek uh, turned out to be. And I, I, I'm, I, you've mentioned that before. I wanted to ask. It, it's a little different because you have, I would guess, uh, you know, a, a higher dilution rate because there's more water? That is correct. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just wanted to be sure I had that right. So we've talked about all that background and, and that y'all have talked about expansion and that kind of thing. Let's first talk about what current capacity is mm-hmm. at the sewer treatment plant. You know, kind of daily averages. It's kind of fascinating. There's, you know, gallons per day, I believe it is. That's correct. So let's start with, um, uh, you actually made a, a cool little chart here. Uh, let's start with your current customer count and sort of work down. So today we have 7,853 current sewer customers in the district and in the city. So they're they're combined together. And if we do the math, you know, and and look, if we take out uh, and account for only 80% of the capacity, because, you know, it's not a federal mandate as far as what the number is. And I misspoke a while back saying that it was 75%, but there's not a number. It's kind of an industry standard. Once you get to be about 75 or 80% capacity, you start to make plans for the next plan or how are you going to handle sewer going forward if you continue to grow. So this speculation now is based on uh, 80% capacity. And so with, with the 7,853 that we currently have, uh, that leaves us uh, available 4,120. So we can take in 4,120 more homes or businesses before we get to that 80%. So we still have a little a little room to go. And that still works on the 4 million gallons a day of treatment capacity. Because if you remember, because of rain intrusion, we could treat up to 6 million gallons a day. But that's not ideal. That does give the microbes enough time to work. Right. That's uh, emergency situations. And, that's correct. And we'll talk about uh, a little more specific. Well, let's do that right now. Water intrusion. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of pieces to a sewer, uh, infrastructure and they're not watertight. Well, they're not, uh, just by the nature of the beast, they're in the ground. And so they're subject to all kinds of impacts, if you will. Uh, if you take a house that's 40 or 50 years old, there's probably a good chance that it's the old fashioned clay pipe and that stuff will just over time, just deteriorate and crack. So whenever there's rain and whether the water starts to settle, it's going to get into the sewer line, right? Uh, you have people that even have PVC pipes that have cracks in them. We just repaired one over off of uh, 
Perry Landing just yesterday that had a, had a crack in it. Uh, there are situations where people may not have the drainage in their yard that they like. And so what they'll do is they'll go to the sewer cleanout and they'll open up a little cap and all that water will go down, down the line and into the sewer plant. I've had a house in, let's see, I think it was off of John Drive here a while back. And the guy was, a frequent, he had frequent flyer miles, miles we kept having to go uh, do everything that we possibly could do because he had his gutters on his house tied into that system so that all that water was not in his yard and it was going downstream. And what most people don't really realize is everything that comes out of your toilet, your kitchen sink, your hand washing, washing clothes, taking a bath, taking a shower, goes down that little four or six inch pipe to the road and it goes into what those little, everybody sees those little uh, manhole covers in the street. That's where all that water goes, where all the stuff goes, right? And then it works its way to the plant and it's treated. Right. So, you know, and it's interesting too, you just brought up all of the different facets of how water or, or sewers drained out of a house. And uh, one of the interesting things that was discussed by engineer Eddie Idell mm -hmm. uh, from Alvin Fairburn, who's kind of taking the lead on this, is uh, residential, believe it or not, unless I would imagine it's a certain kind of commercial. But for the most part, the residential average is higher than commercial. Much higher because most office buildings, don't, they don't take showers, they don't wash clothes. And so the, the, the demand for sewer is really just a, an occasional flush okay, right. of an office building. So it's not very much at all. Right, and and industry average, I believe you brought it up earlier, is uh, somewhere around two forty. I think that's the industry average for a. But yeah. denim is lower than that. Well, it 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 has been probably because of the amount of commercial that we do have. Let's take Jeep and Cross, and let's take Walmart. Uh, everybody else involved there. Sure. So uh, when you start, so we we kind of started at the bottom, sort of built up to this level. Now you're thinking, okay, deer run, deer runs coming up. We brought up Mr. Jim Gilbert, who got uh, a little contentious at the last meeting. I believe that he's had a couple of, he was given, uh, it was tabled for two weeks. He was asked to go have his meetings with the uh, people involved. I believe that's happened. Uh, we'll find out Monday. But uh, one of the things that he was assured of is that there was capacity, or sure. there is capacity. Well, sure. And, and, and so, look, these meetings and, uh, and work, the work that we did was all the calendar year 2022. And Jim just came on board in 2023, so he was not present for all of those. Uh, I think it was in March, whenever the final paperwork was given, or the final ordinance change was given. And so in all fairness to him, he wasn't at all of those meetings. Right, and he did bring up that he kind of felt like the general, uh, as y'all put a moratorium on utilities in 2022, as an attempt to catch up, sure, right, figure out what was going on. Um, he sort of interpreted that as, whoa, whoa, we're on fire here. Uh, which wasn't the case. No, it was just, a, it, well, I, I had I asked him to push the pause button. And I said, well, unfortunately, we have to call it a moratorium, but just push the pause button until the end of the year so we can analyze where we are, what's coming. Uh, because, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of feedback from the uh, the building community as to what was going to happen. Yes, they came and spoke to some of our engineers, but it was never, hey, I'm going to build this many houses. We heard numbers like 2,500, you know, 2,000 lots for a home plus 500 apartments. And and so we didn't know what was coming and if we could serve. And we would, we're in a, we're in a service business, right? Uh, and like I talked about at the very beginning, all the things that we normally serve uh, our citizens with, but utilities is one that we try to do uh, and do it efficiently and effectively because you have to have gas, water, and sewer. You got to have water and sewer. 
gas is a luxury today because it's very nice and it's very cost uh, cost effective. So it's one of those things going forward that y'all are going to have to. Oh. Let's try that. Yeah, yeah okay. there we go. Uh, it's one of those things going forward where y'all have you have capacity um and and quite a bit and as we discussed towards the beginning deer run they're looking at 400 initial permits correct uh with about 173 lots they're expecting after two years that's correct uh, so they're looking at uh, a very long build cycle on the but there's there could be others more development could come and, and we don't know right and so that is one of the reasons why uh, uh you met as a group uh, and of course, engineers, all sorts of outside, um, not only perspectives, but helping y'all generate a plan and understanding, okay, this is where we can go with the plant. This is where we can go with our infrastructure, that kind of thing. Well, that, that group was pretty, pretty well-rounded. It was, it was myself and, uh, and like I say, Eddie from, uh, from the engineer firm that does most of our sewer work, Chad Bacchus, who does most of our road work. And those two guys kind of bounce off of each other and the two areas of expertise, but they actually know what they're doing, both of them. And so that was good. We had uh, Jamie from the sewer district. We had B.J. Clark, who is our own sewer guy. And uh, his assistant, Bryce, was with him as well. Uh, John Wascom, who represents the city on the parish council. Uh, Aaron Sandifer, who represents the sewer district. She has a seat. And before that, it was uh, uh, Bubba Harris. Bub, yeah, Bubba Harris was on it as well. So, you know, we had a pretty good crew of folks. To, to And look, we met every other week. And it was a long, a long year to get it all accomplished and get it all wrapped up. We feel good about where we are. Now, are we ready for another 10,000 homes? No, by no means we're not. But by, by doing what we, we have done, we've built a better platform for us to be able to go forward. And with the impact fees now, we've always had the ability to charge impact fees. We've always had the ability to charge whenever we wanted to. But now what we have done is from zero to 50 houses, you pull permits, you build, and you do what you need to do the proper way. From 50 to from 51 to 150 have to present your plan and what your needs are and the parish council i mean i'm sorry the city council just needs to approve it all we're doing is we're saying look bj the sewer guys already looked at it my gas guys already looked at it my water guys already looked at it and we're all okay so council i think we're good to go and they just need to approve it at least they know that we've looked at it and know what what's happening and the developer has to pay a 50 percent of the total fees up front now once you get over to 151 so in the case of deer run if he wanted to make sure that he had all 2,000 lots or whatever that number may be, he'd have to pay us 100% of the impact fees up front. Now, we're talking millions of dollars, but it, what it, and the impact fees are really, what impact does that home or that business have on the sewer district or the water or the gas or whatever? And then that way we can make sure that we can adjust uh, uh, fees accordingly and make sure we have the equipment that we need going forward. So... Last sort of point here, one of Mr. Gilbert's concerns, and I'm sure it's been talked about in these meetings that he's had, is getting the sewer from Deer Run to the sewer treatment plant. Uh, we've talked about it. Y'all have a gravity-based system, but you do have lift stations, um, and you also do consistent intrusion testing, which uh, I'm going to let you explain that one because it's kind of fascinating. But I do want to start with the lift stations. I believe you told me there are 87 of them? Uh, and y'all, as a city, have worked on all of those after the flood with FEMA, correct? Sure. <clears throat> Whenever you have a natural disaster like we did, we learned very very quickly from our consultants and other folks that have reached out to us uh, from across the country. Uh, there are so many things that FEMA is willing to help you with after a disaster. 
and uh, we've cashed in, if you will, on quite a few of them. And uh, mitigation is a big piece of what they do, not just repairing, because let's just say this. They, if we have another flood next year and we had not taken part of the, the mitigation piece, you know, they'd come back and just repair everything again, repair everything again. Well, eventually they learned that mitigation was the best way to go. So now what they've done is they invest and we have 87 lift stations, and I'll explain what that is, but they've now invested in mitigation, which means the control panels, which are the sensitive part of the uh, the system, are now above base flood elevation. And then when they raise them that high, because some of them are six or eight, 10 feet up in the air, they, has, they had to build stainless steel platforms, or aluminum platforms, lad, uh, ladders, and all this railing and all this stuff so that our guys could get to it to do the work on them. The pumps are still in the ground, but it's the control panels, and that's what went under during the flood, and we were just out there literally with duct tape and bailing wire trying to get the power back to them so that they would operate immediately following the flood. We had to rent dozens of these uh, diesel pumps that were called bypass pumps. Didn't have electricity, but I, I've got to get the sewer going so people can get back home. So that was a, a, a pretty long process. Uh, it's still going on. Uh, as y'all know, every time y'all come to a council meeting, we're still approving pay uh, payments and waiting for FEMA reimbursements. But it's been it's been a good uh, it's been a good system and a good way for us to help eliminate any future issues that we may have. Sure, sure. And so now water intrusion, yeah, and smoke intrusion. testing and smoke testing. So you know, smoke testing is the easiest and most effective way to find out where the leaks are in a system because it's not watertight. That's for sure. You could run cameras, but you know what? If you if you run a camera down a line, especially if there's any trash or dirt or God's sand or whatever, you may not see all of the cracks. And just because you see a crack, it may not leak, especially if it's in clay. You know, it seals it up pretty tight, but if it's sandy, it's going to smoke. So literally, we go to the manhole covers. We do sections of it. We block it out. You know, we map it out across the city, pull the manhole cover, and you put this little machine on top, and it generates a white smoke. And you pump that thing just as full as you can, and you stand back and you look. And you look at the houses, you look at the streets, you look at everybody's yard. If there's a break in that pipe, you'll see it come up. I it's have seen fascinating. It. It, it. It really is. Now, just because it's coming up here doesn't mean the leak might not be down here because it depends on what the soil content is. So we'll, we'll be GPS every one of them so that we can go back and try to find those spots and, and make those repairs. Uh, it's funny, you sometimes you see it come out of somebody's house. Or somebody may call the fire department because my house is full of white smoke. Well, we do ha put door hangers. We do try to make sure everybody's aware of what's getting ready to happen. If the system's working properly, the white smoke's going to come out of their roof vent, which is where the sewer vents. Everything's perfectly fine. If it gets in the house, that means there's a, a wax ring usually on a toilet that's uh, defective. So they, it's, it's a relatively cheap fix, but it just needs to happen. Sure, sure, because uh, you don't want those smells. No, no. And look, this, I've learned a lot about sewer and right. <laughs> many other utilities since I've been here now in the nine years I've been here. So. Tons of fun. Tons of fun. So uh, I, so back to the crux of the issue. They're after installing a, or putting in a moratorium, meeting as a committee, you've come to really get a grasp on what your sewer system is like how much capacity you have now and when you need to, you're already planning for, but when you might not, might need to start implementing enhancements, upgrades, expansion. That is correct. So the plan's in place and we're looking forward to that challenge uh, down the road. Uh, you know, there's 4,120 homes. There's quite a few homes and quite a, quite a bit of traffic. Uh, that's nothing. I really have zero control over that. Uh, you know, this is a, 
America, and uh, we we have to follow the rules of Godland. Right. Well, thank you, sir. If you'll reintroduce yourself. Gerard Landry, the mayor of Denver Springs, sometimes known as Paradise on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> and my name is McHugh David, publisher and editor of the news. Appreciate you guys for joining us on the Livingston Parish News Weekly Show. Please remember the news is on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. We are once a week, one, bleh, once a week in print on Thursdays. That's $7 a month to get that in your mailbox. We're also online, www.livingstonparishnews.com. I want to thank this gentleman again for joining us. It's been a while. Thank you, sir. Glad to have you back. And one last time, I appreciate you guys watching. Uh, please check us out. We are on all podcast platforms as well. We hope you have a great day, and we'll see you next time.